Jones. We have top men working on it right now. He was a most ripping victory. Go! Get, Get to the, the chopper! Welcome to the Parkway Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Byron. And I am Ward from the Parkway Theater. Yes, and if you couldn't tell by that super scary jump roping song this week, we will be covering A Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I cannot wait to get into this one with you, gentlemen. Because I have a history with this movie that uh, it's it's interesting, I think. Um, so let's let's dive right in. First, we should talk about: uh, Do we have a drink of the show? I mean, what are we all drinking? Maybe we'll just go around and see. Does anybody have something decent in their hands right now? Uh, Byron. Well, for me, I guess the thing that I am drinking is. Uh, I didn't really plan to drink anything special for the Nightmare on Elm Street podcast, but I am drinking a really nice uh, bourbon right now on the rocks. Oh, sounds yummy. What about you, Ward? Uh, I am drinking my go-to COVID cocktail, which has been vodka with a little bit of lime juice and uh, and just a smidge of maple syrup. I'm telling you, it's delicious. Oh, well, that is fancy. Well... The thing is, we are recording this a little ahead of time, but this this event is going to be slightly, this podcast episode is going to be slightly more special than the other ones because we are going to pair it with a live event hosted by, uh, a virtual live event hosted by Parkway Theater and the Parkway Podcast. That's going to be a Twitter watch party of an, this movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And in that Twitter watch party, we will be... Uh, You know, having a a long discussion, hopefully, with many, many viewers who watch with us about the whole Freddy cinematic universe. And uh, and we will, I believe, have a specialty cocktail paired with this movie uh, that will be available online soon. Uh, We're just recording a little bit ahead of uh, a little bit ahead of the development of that recipe. So look forward to that. Um, So so what about uh, are you guys excited about the watch party? On, oh, heck on, yes. Uh, well, oh, well, yeah. And I should I say, am. before I jump in there, let me just say, it's going to be Halloween night starting at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. So that will be when you have, you'll have to rent it on, on uh, Netflix or Prime or whatever you can find it. And we'll <coughs> click play right at the same time. And it should be quite the fun experience. Byron, you're looking forward to it, huh? Yes. I'm uh, super excited to go ahead and, and uh, participate with this. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun time. Uh, I hope to throw in some good one-liners and hope to be uh, looking forward to talking with a bunch of people about uh, their experiences when it comes to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, me too. What about you, Ward? I know you're a, a big Twitter hound, right? What? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I love the Twitters. 
<laughs> I'm uh, really looking forward to it. The Twitters. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a fun event. Uh, and look forward to that next Saturday. And it's awesome that Halloween's on a Saturday this time. But that we'll, we'll put a pin in that for now and discuss, I think, first things first... What is uh what is your what is your experience Byron with the whole Freddy cinematic universe? Let us know. Uh, have you seen this movie? Ah, uh, well, predictably no. I had not seen this movie before reviewing for it. Um that being said, I did watch it again today uh for the first well, for the second time, I guess. Uh-huh. And uh I have I don't I guess I don't even know where to start with this was it was I can watch it, and I guess I should say that I haven't seen it, but at the same time, I have seen it. Because okay. this movie has become so um, copied, or the tropes that have come along with the whole thing. I shouldn't say really tropes or anything, but uh, just the themes and some of the stuff and the plot twists have become so, um, for lack of a better word, iconic, that I have seen this throughout other movies and other, other media. And uh, mm. yeah, so yeah, that's, that's been true. that was has been my experience with it. Yeah, and what about so Brian? You have not tried to sleep yet since you've watched the movie today. No, I have not. Uh, thank you for pointing that out to me. Uh, now I'll be thinking about that as I try to go to bed tonight. And that's probably why I'm drinking the bourbon. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Word. What about you? What's what's your experience with the Freddy universe? Uh so yeah. I mean, I've seen all of the movies and I think I even watched that there used to be a show called like Freddy's Nightmares or something he was yeah. kind of like the crypt keeper but yeah I, this movie I remember uh there was a video store in my hometown and my sister brought this movie home and it was maybe a year after it had been released and and so I my memory of this movie is that it was really scary and that even though Freddy kind of became a little bit of a joke as the sequels went on when you know when you guys uh when somebody suggested we were going to watch this next I was like oh yeah this is a really good movie I I can't wait to watch <laughs> this one again <laughs> Okay and, and and do you want me to get to what happened next? No, no, I don't want to get into that part yet. But okay. let's, but so you have you seen all 9 or 10 of them then? Yeah, I think I honestly I think I've even seen Freddy versus Jason. Okay. And and I even saw the one um it was like Wes Craven's pre-scream, you know, movie within a movie thing. It's the new it nightmare. Yeah, Wes Craven's the new, new nightmare. nightmare. I've even seen that one. Yeah. So wow. so I yeah, okay. Well, let's just pause there and I'll say my my experience with this movie is that I had never seen it until, you know, last week. And the reason I had never seen it was because my neighbors when I was growing up were slightly older than me, maybe five years older than me. And they would do this thing. (laughs) And I just thought, that sounds absolutely terrifying. This must be the most scary movie anyone's ever made. I can't handle it. And I've, I've carried that opinion with me into up to the age of 40 thinking wow um (laughs) this this cannot be something i can watch and so i watched this movie and i think uh we will get into how i feel about it now (laughs) at my adult age but it turns uh, out that uh scary disco music isn't really that scary (laughs) yeah yeah it's boy it is something this is this is some kind of (laughs) this this movie has a long legend it's you know it it really 
the the Freddy character it has I mean it it is I think what I've always heard is you know it's far scarier than the other ones and I don't know why but I guess it's the dream thing but uh, so then all I did I've only seen this one I still think that possibly the later movies might be uh, too scary for me but I mean I'm saying that with chung and cheek a little bit um, so I haven't seen the other ones I didn't have time to plug in ten more movies this week. But I did listen to some other podcasts that had covered the whole the whole series, and I I learned about um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and wow, it just sounds like Freddy gets really weird, <laughs> really yeah, weird. Yeah, they get they get progressively more and more ridiculous. I'll just my real quick summary of all of them is that my memory is that uh, three is pretty good, and then they're kind of barely watchable from that point on. Yeah, so I, I I grabbed I think I grabbed all the uh, yeah I grabbed all of the um, um, all the uh, Rotten Tomato scores. So that's maybe a good transition to that. So this movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, ninety four percent critics, eighty three audience. Uh, the second one, forty one thirty three. So a real drop off there. <laughs> then wow. uh, the third the third one, Dream Warriors. That's the one people really talk about. It's got Patricia Arquette. Dream Warriors. <laughs> and it's got that, gonna dream that no great more. song. <laughs> and then that one's seventy two sixty eight. So it bumped up. It doubled right over there. Uh, in in uh, in the two years that they took to do that. Then Rennie Harlan directed Nightmare on Elm Street four. So that one became real action movie. That's when Lisa Wilcox jumped into the main role, and that's Dream Master. That's 53-43, so down again. Then the fifth one's called Dream Child. That's 31-32. It fell even more. Then Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare from 1991. That one had a 19% critic score. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, oh, and then no. get this. Wes Craven's new nightmare. The that one, one that, by the way, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but that one, I believe at the end of the movie, you're supposed like when it was in the theaters, you had to put on your 3D glasses for like the last 15 minutes of the movie. Uh, okay. Was, they were really yeah. grabbing at straws at that point. Wow. Uh, I wish... 19%. It's uh, more proof that Freddy really doesn't die. Uh, yeah, right. He just keeps sticking. Because then they made, three years later, that's when Wes Craven's new nightmare. So Wes Craven wasn't a part of any of them except the first one and then this one in 94 and that one had 78 I think he might have written three yeah uh yeah that could be yeah i think he was on the writing but then they sort of left him and then he came back um uh in 94 so he's got uh 78 on that one then freddy versus jason's only 41 percent. then a nightmare on elm street the 2010 remake which ward have Jack you Earl seen Haley. have you seen it ward uh no i have not seen that okay one. I heard it sucks, and it's got a 15% critic score and a 43%. Uh, no. Yeah. Can I just say on that 94%, I don't think any of those critics have seen this movie recently. You think so? Yeah. I think this. I think they're going on memory. Yeah. I think I don't know how the algorithm works, but it may be a lot of nostalgia built into that 94% for sure. Yeah. yeah. I know we've talked about that before with uh, on, our, on our other podcast, The Fun V, uh, where we were talking about the Bond films about how some of those older ones where we're watching them now and they seem not the greatest, but we're looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score and they seem to be very high. And yeah, same thing. I think conclusion we came to is it was nostalgia. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so let me run through the numbers here. So this is uh, 19, uh, or Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. And it comes up and it says starring John Saxon. And my thought is... Big star. Who's Enter John Saxon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who in the bleep is John Saxon? No. 
Yeah. So anyway, he plays the Lieutenant Thompson. Then that's Nancy's dad. And then Ron- Roni Blakely plays uh, uh, Marge, Nancy's mom, the alcoholic. And then Heather Langenkamp, who, boy, she should win several Oscars for her performance in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. She plays... Yeah, she's Nancy. Then a bunch of people... Who, who else? Who else is in this movie? Well, you know, a bunch of people. No one really cares. Blah, 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 blah. Robert England, of course, is his first movie. Oh, then, yeah. um, you know, Mr. Lance, all these people. And then it says, introducing Johnny Depp. Who what? plays Glenn Lance. So A nightmare on Amber Heard Street. <laughs> <laughs> so, ri- real quick, written and directed by Wes Craven. Uh, budget $1.8 million. This thing brought in $57 million. And uh, the IMDb plot summary says, The monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. Ah, you know, whatever. So I have a question then to start this off. This movie says, Introducing Johnny Depp. When we watched Halloween last year, it says, Introducing, uh, now I'm blanking. Now I need to know her name. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, thank you. And then the first... Night or the first um, Friday the Thirteenth, it doesn't say introducing. introducing. It doesn't say introducing, Bacon. but it says starring Kevin Bacon. So, <laughs> which one do you guys think? Uh, I mean, can you rank these stars in order? I mean, this is very bizarre. I never really put it together that these three big actors were in these three movies. Which one do you think made it out the best, Byron, of those three? Uh, well, you present a fascinating question. Hadn't realized that if you really wanted to get to fame and fortune in the 1970s, 1980s in film, you should just star in a slasher film. Uh, I guess I would have to say, I think Johnny Depp's probably made it out the best uh, as far yeah, as... Yeah, if you had asked goes, this question maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. What would your answer mm-hmm. be 10 years ago? Well, Johnny Depp, if you had asked it 10 years ago. I mean, okay. yeah. the, the, the last few years have not been kind. No, they have not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't realize the whole Kevin Bacon uh, thing either. So, I... Well, I mean, Kevin, to be fair, Kevin Bacon is, like, totally broke. He, like, he like, invested all of his money away, and he's been making horrible movies, too. So I'm not sure between those yeah, two. Yeah, but he's married to Kira Sedgwick. They seem to be having a nice time. He's playing a little music. What is Johnny Depp up to right now? I have no idea. He's chucking phones at Amber Heard, and mm. he's, you know, it looks like he might... I don't know. I don't want to say things that might not be true. Allegedly. He's a really nice guy, but it seems like a little bit of a train wreck happening. So I heard Kevin Bacon on the last episode of the uh, Empire Film Podcast, and he's a nice guy too, I think. I mean, he's got a farm, and he's kind of hanging out, just doing whatever, although he's he's making crappy movies from what I understand. Um, But I think if you're going box office, you have to say Johnny Well, wait, can I interrupt with that? If you're in every movie... Ultimately, don't you make some bad ones? Are you saying there's like only a few degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon? Bacon? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess there's some turds in there. But 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 seriously, if you're going box office, you have to think it's Johnny Depp because the Pirates of the Caribbean oh, yeah. movies, right? For sure. He's he's huge. As far as so is nobody picking Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, you know, I think that if if I was naming celebrities to a 15-year-old right now, which, I don't know, Ward, maybe you're better positioned to do that with your kids, but I think that those three names might spark the exact same amount of knowledge in a 15-year-old. What do you think? My kids would definitely 
know who Johnny Depp is, they think he's the greatest, or at least they did. Um, I don't think my kids would know who Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Bacon are. Hmm. You got to show them Tremors. Clearly, they've never seen the greatest hits. They have seen Tremors. They ah, just well, don't know which one's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, we don't have to dwell on it. I just thought it was kind of amazing that, you know, three, in my opinion, my, a person my age is like, these are three big name actors. Now, they're all, I, I would guess Jamie Lee Curtis, um, I would guess they're all 60. Uh, they're probably all right around 60 now, maybe a little more even, but... Um, but anyway, it's kind of crazy that these three slasher films, one, two, you know, one of which I've never seen, like, oh my god, this is Johnny Depp. I did not know that going into this movie, so that was a, a okay, interesting to me. Literally, as the as the credits came up, I was like, Johnny Depp is in this thing? Wow, crazy. My uh, so I watched it with my seventeen year old, and she it was she was seeing it for the first time, and and the credits, she was like, oh my god, Johnny Depp is in this movie, and then like I, an hour later. I realized she didn't know which one was Johnny Depp. Like, she didn't recognize him. <laughs> okay. So, obviously, she had never seen 21 Jump Street then because we are just three years <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. We're three years away from Jump Street. Oh, she probably has seen the, uh, you know, the remake. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the movie. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum one, yeah. Version. Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's watching it going, wow, oh, Johnny Depp, and doesn't even realize that that's, it's Glenn. Oh, my God. So back to the uh, numbers. What what was the box office on this thing, and what uh, was the budget? Well, budget was $1.8 box office $57 million. Wow, that's quite a profit. Yeah, I mean, they say, they say that New Line Cinema, you know, is the house that Freddie built. So every time New Line needed to get some more you know some more cash to invest in another movie adventure they they'd make a shitty freddy film and it would make some money (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think by the end of it uh it was the house that freddy also destroyed uh probably they're not gonna make obviously that that remake was in 2010 and uh since then the the rights have reverted back to uh back to uh um the west craven uh estate the estate so, yeah the mm-hmm. estate so probably uh they may make a different one but they're not going to make a sequel to that crappy 2010 one obviously after 10 years it it shows that uh, it wasn't a money maker that could that that deserved another investment but i want to ask yeah. you guys another thing uh this movie i think starts very weird and then i had a realization that connected it to another west craven movie did you watch the start of this the opening sequence where it's like it's not clear that it's a dream. It's Freddy. He's, I mean, it's not even. We don't know it's Freddy. It's like somebody who's like hammering away on little leather plates and cutting pieces of metal, and and then this girl is running through the thing. And did that seem? Did that strike you as incredibly amateurish and weird? That that was how we were diving into a horror movie or any movie. Uh, yeah. I well, I it guess would be a little for bit. me. Oh, go ahead, Ward. You go. Uh, well, for me, I just thought a lot of it just seemed... I mean, I, it's hard for me to answer that question without telling you what I think of this movie, but it a lot of it does seem like uh, clunky, just the way yeah. like Freddy's introduced. And, and um, yeah, I just it, it was a little bit uh, abrupt. I don't know if, the, if that's the right word for I it. I think abrupt is a good word. What did you think, Byron? Yeah, I was going to say kind of the, the similar thing is it felt very... Um, beginner film school ish 
with some of the things with just how hard the transitions were and I mean I suppose this was at the time still kind of a new genre that was kind of coming about with horror and slasher type films so nobody really kind of knew how to make one when so but yeah it just it kind of felt off something felt odd something felt uh pacing weird thing was kind of weird and uh yeah it was definitely kind of weird to it yeah. i will say though i do like the fact that when the movie starts you think that tina is the star of the movie and you don't really realize until she dies that she's not obviously Oh, so I, making... I like how it kind of changed the POV from her to um, now. I can't even remember yeah. what's uh, Heather's Nancy? name. No. Nancy. You're making my point for me, Ward. So, what other movie does that sound exactly like? Well, they start um, off, and the the character you see at the beginning dies right away, or not right away. Yes, but, uh, exactly. Pop quiz. <laughs> I I think I've got. Okay, it. was it Psycho? I'm sorry. What were the guesses involved there? What? Well, you said pop quiz, so I said speed. But yeah, speed. psycho. <laughs> no, no, no. Guys, guys, think Wes Craven. Think Drew Barrymore. Hello, it's the start of Scream, Scream. right here. It is the start of Scream. Yeah, you're Holy right. Holy crap. Yeah, you're right. He did do that. Yes. So I was I was watching this going, what is happening? I don't understand. I, I mean, I've never seen this movie, so I don't understand. Like, is it a nightmare? Is it, a, is it a, not a – is it reality? Like – who is the killer? Why would I want him to kill someone before I even knew who this person was or any of this stuff? And then I was like, this sucks so bad. This is like really amateurish. And then I realized that is exactly how Scream starts, but I feel like that's that's really well done. And I can't figure out why I like one and not the other. It's just bizarre to me because it's exa- it's Wes Craven. It's exactly the same writing. Yeah, it's exactly the same writing, exactly the yeah. same guy. Uh, maybe it's because, well, Scream almost kind of makes fun of uh it makes fun of its own creation in some way where they talk about how uh, the killer and everything goes around and does all that. So maybe there's a little bit of that, or I don't know, maybe it's just because it's updated. Yeah, it might just be the cinematography, which, spoiler alert, I think is absolute garbage in this movie. They didn't have enough money to get any you know, boom trucks or overhead shots or anything, really. Um, but I, I, I just, it's uncanny, the starting sequence... I mean, obviously, Wes Craven wrote one, and then he wrote the next one better. But it's just uncanny how it's the same thing. There's a murderer, and then he does his thing before we even know why. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> That's just my thought. And when you said, Ward, when you said, isn't it funny that, you know, that we think it's, we think it's you know, this person's a star? I thought for sure you were connecting the dots to Drew Barrymore being on the poster for Scream and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I you know, for me, overall, this movie... Like again, I my memory of this movie is that I I loved it, and and fully you know I hope we're not offending anyone because I know that Freddie is like on the Mount Rushmore of of you know slasher film characters right up there with Michael Myers and Jason right. and Leatherface, but um but there is it it's kind of part of its charm and part of its undoing. There is like this kind of low budget seventies exploitation vibe to this movie that I, it's kind of part of it I like just because it does feel really low budget, but it's also kind of its undoing as you watch it. I'm like, you know, and it kind of starts to fall apart as the as the movie goes on. But there there still are, there is still a lot of this movie that I like, but, uh, but yeah, it does, a lot of it does feel kind of clunky and amateurish. Yeah, I mean, 
I watched this movie, and I guess we can just we can, you know, we can talk about little parts of the movie that we like and don't like as we go. But I will give you my overall take on this too, and that is like, I cannot believe that I didn't watch this movie for so long because I thought it was so scary. I watched this movie at like I started it like at ten o'clock in my dark basement by myself. And I went to bed and I had a nightmare. And that nightmare was still about sharks. I always dream about sharks. <laughs> <laughs> the nightmare had nothing to do with Freddy. I have absolutely no, you know, little thing in the back of my mind that says, oh, you know, what if I have a nightmare about Freddy? Like, it. this movie is just, I mean, it's just so amateurish. It's so bad. I have a note here that says, the acting's bad. The screenwriting's bad. The score is the worst. <laughs> the editing the score, is... We got to stop on the score. Okay. <laughs> because I really do feel like there are a lot of points in this movie where they're getting to something that feels actually like some tension is building, and I'm and and I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty good. And then that that '80s drum beat jumps in, and it's just like it just ruins the vibe. It do- It completely does. Because yeah. when you're listening, oh gosh, when you're watching. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Byron. Oh no, quick, it, no, go watching, ahead. I, it's, I just, I just had to agree that that was just the worst part of the whole thing. Was I could the eyes were rolling back into my skull because I couldn't just handle that. Yeah, we talked last year about in Halloween's like clean and simple uh, John Carpenter score of the piano notes and just the you know the quick the quick hits and like. This movie is just trying to... It's like grabbing a keytar, a big white long one with two handles, and just constantly just playing 80s shit at me nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, yeah, what is you happening think about here? It. Yeah, you think about it. The John Carpenter movie was able to do accomplish in one note more than the entire like soundtrack of this film. Yeah. It's, I don't even I mean, mind the, the main theme. It That's a little creepy. It's just every time they do the you know, the KTEL 80s version of it, that it's just like, and my daughter who's 17, you know, she's thinking she's going to watch this movie and it's going to be really scary. And every time that came on, she's like, ah, oh, God, Dad, the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they try to build to something. And the only time it really works is when, I guess it's Tina actually gets killed and, you know, dragged, floated up in the air and dragged on the ceiling and slashed and stuff. That part to me, I wasn't taken out of it by by the score but almost every other part i just was rolling my eyes thinking yeah this is taking me out of the scene it's it's really bad <laughs> i think another thing that is frustrating for me about this movie is like i'm kind of uh i'm a sucker for movies that can kind of they 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 kind of lay out this is the rules and then they follow them yeah. and i just as i'm watching this i don't really understand what the rules of Freddy's powers are they they don't really make sense you can't always tell whether you're in a dream or not and sometimes it's kind of based in reality and other times they suck Johnny Depp into a bed and just shoot him out like a fire hose and you're like right well that Mm -hmm. just doesn't make any sense to me at all and that's without even touching on the ending which I have no idea what that's all about okay I only have two more notes and you just addressed both of them so let's go into that <laughs> Byron yeah. Byron what are your what are your thoughts on this whole dream versus reality I, part of the movie that was the part that was getting me the most too was like I loved that idea they had some really good concepts with that it was like trying to make it look like you couldn't tell if you were in a dream right away and 
but then they kind of ruin it with that. But yeah, I agree with you. There was no real rules. Like, why, why in the world could you conceive that you could bring him into the world again just to to break him or you know to to kill him? And I I don't know. I was I was super confused with that as well. Yeah. And was I anyone think... else reminded of Home Alone when she brought him back into the real oh, world? Oh gosh, Absolutely. thank you, Home Alone. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I was waiting for her to string the paint bucket up to the top of the stairs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think this is all just, it's just a, it's a constraint that is, that is, they have to live with because of their low budget. Because my first thought is, if you're making a movie about like a dream, you know, a dream, uh, evil dream person, most of the time when you fall asleep, you don't like start dreaming about the exact setting that you're in like you don't start dreaming about your own bedroom and everything is exactly the same lighting and exactly the same there's no indication here that we're in a dream usually you start dreaming about oh my pillow is a marshmallow and then i'm actually floating on a lava sea and i'm like you know stuff is crazy they obviously couldn't afford any of this you know so they they took the same set that they were filming their reality in and they just you know, they just snapped their fingers and said, "Oh, Heather, now you're now you're now you're in a dream." <laughs> and it's like we don't know that as the audience, and it drove me nuts because I I thought anything could happen anytime because it's all baloney, it's all just BS because it's the same set, <laughs> dream oh. or reality. I hate. Yeah, it. I did not I, like that. I guess I could see that. It, it's almost kind of the what should I say? The director's trick from uh, you know they don't have to change the plot change the scene or anything like that they can just get away with any they can just write themselves out of any corner they paint themselves into by just saying oh it was a dream the whole time and that is the schlockiest of all film tricks and the whole thing is built on that i really don't like that yeah they just pull a dallas (laughs) the entire film if you're dealing with a low budget like you look back at a you know a couple of movies from that era that have held up really well like jaws or halloween they embrace that budget limitation by, you know, really slow reveal where it's bi- the movies are just building really slowly to the ending where they, you know, you have more of a reveal or more, you know, the, the killer is, is more revealed. Whereas, like you said, Matt, like Freddy gets revealed in the opening scene of this movie. And yeah. so it's kind of like all the tricks have been spent. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. it's bizarre. And then the other thing that, you know, talking about Freddy's reveal, we get to a point like an hour into this movie where this girl is like, Mommy, Mommy, its name is Freddy Krueger. And the mom's like, you don't have to worry about Freddy, honey, because I killed him. <laughs> this movie has the worst parenting of any movie I've ever seen. Well, I mean, you know, to be fair, these parents in this movie banded together and killed the child murderer, whereas in Halloween, the parents just all got together at that big key party, and they never even protected their kids at all. Yeah. So which one's worse? (laughs) Well, the one, uh, Tina's mom's in Vegas with some guy. That's true. And and Heather's mom, or uh, Nancy's mom's a And don't even get me started on Glenn's dad. Jesus, this guy. Well, let's talk about how dumb Glenn's mom is. Hold on one second. You know, I mean, how can you fall for this? There we go. Yeah, out here at Barry's. Huh? Yeah, noisy as usual. 
I just love I just love the young Johnny Depp here. It just yeah, sounds like him. It's so great. Right, right. I'll call you in the morning. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just hanging out at Cousin Barry's. Johnny Johnny D. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The parents in this movie may be the worst of any movie. It's okay, Nancy. You don't have to worry about him because Mommy cut off his hand and has it in the basement, tucked yes. underneath the wood-burning stove. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, that's so weird. I mean, like, the fact that... Like, is she supposed to feel better that now she knows her mom's a murderer? Is that what they're going for there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be worried about this person because... Yeah. It yeah. at least explains why mom's always pulling off that bottle of vodka constantly. Well, you know, you got to bury the bury the guilt there somewhere. Just cuz he killed 20 kids so. doesn't mean he's deserves, you know, the parental death squad. That's quite the neighborhood watch they have organized over there yeah. on Elm Street. <laughs> Pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so let's can we talk about the ending? Like what did you guys think? Like what well, uh what's going on there? I mean, we could talk about it. <laughs> I mean, starting with the, basically from the point that, that Freddy starts on fire to the very end of the movie, I'm not sure exactly what happens. Well, so the very end of the movie, for some reason, what Glenn pulls up and like the whole crew, all the buddies are still alive and, and, uh, and she gets in the car, Nancy gets in the car, and they kind of drive away. And then, oh, the red and green stripes come up on the convertible soft top. And so then I'm thinking, I don't get this. I don't know why. Why Is this a dream? Is it a reality? Because it's the same set. I can't tell. I don't know why. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know. Yeah, at that point, I was just rolling with it where it was just like, oh, right, it's just a dream. I get it. Anything that's red and green related, it must mean you're in the dream world. I mean, it's... it's uh, but we are kinda... told that we were in the real world when she brought her when she brought Freddy to the real world, but yet Mom's waterbed, like, turned into some kind of neon disco. I don't know what that was, where they all just kind of disappeared into the bed. Yep. Yeah, some, like, weird hot tub. I, yeah, I... Yeah, that was a hot tub time machine. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean you're right. So we're she's fighting him in the real world, and then what? And then what happens when then like the door opens and she walks out? Right? There's that dreamy filter. But why would that go from him or her defeating him in the real world to then a dream sequence? I, I just I did not understand. I, I don't know if they were thinking there was going to be a sequel or why they left that open. I it was just so baffling to me. And I think probably I didn't really realize how much I was hating the the the, the non-difference between dream and reality until I saw the end. And I thought, I don't, you know, I don't, I just don't get it. They should have, they should have set up the rules, like you said, and stuck to them. They should have had like a blue filter on the dream reality, dream world and like a red filter on the reality or something. It was just too hard to tell. Hmm. Yeah, and I think his powers should have been, you know, in the real world. They should have been based in the real world. You know, beds can't light up in the real world. Uh, beds also can't shoot somebody out of them, yeah. especially Johnny Depp. No, and then, you know, if you're going to have the kind of crazy stuff happening, have that happen in the dream in the dream side. Exactly. That that should have been what it was. I mean, it, his, his, his powers, and from what I understand from listening to some other podcasts and reading some stuff online, 
they never resolve that. Even in, you know, 25 years of, of movie making, they never really resolve the, that bizarre difference uh, or that, you know, that bizarre plot hole or whatever conceit problem. You know what they need to do is just get Jack Earl Haley and just remake this movie and try to clean some of this stuff up. Yeah, well, tried and failed. Yeah, tried and failed. But they... speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, sequels, I uh, I think we have to talk to Byron a little bit about Wes Craven's new nightmare because uh, we, before we got on air, we we uh, we mentioned it a little bit. I know Byron, you said you haven't seen it, correct? No, I haven't seen it. So please give me give me a reason to watch this. I've I've been okay. looking through all of Wes Craven's filmography, and I mean, you have Nightmare on Elm Street, you had Scream, you had The Hills Have Eyes. He did a thing of Swamp Thing. Um, so I, I'm willing to watch his stuff. I'm not the biggest horror aficionado, but uh, I'm willing to watch some of these. So I, I like I said, I've only listened to a little podcast and other, and, and I read a little bit about it. Um, but Ward says he's seen it. So I just tell you that uh, at the start of this movie, it says starring start of sorry at the start of um, a Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four. It says starring John Saxon, and I'm thinking, who the hell is John Saxon? And then uh, so when by the time nineteen ninety four rolls around, they make this Wes Craven's new nightmare movie, and John Saxon is a character in that movie, and so is Heather Langenkamp, and it's a movie about the fact that they made Nightmare on Elm Street ten years earlier, and <laughs> I think I and need somehow to watch they didn't this movie. get uh, Johnny Depp didn't want to do it. Yeah, you know what? Actually, they asked him afterwards, and he said he would have done it. They just didn't think he would. That's what is I that read. True? That's true. Yeah, that's what yeah. I read at least. <laughs> um, so, so what we're saying here, Byron, is that literally the people, the characters in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, are the names of the actors, and they are the actors from this movie that we are watching. Really? Oh, this is such a. Oh, this is so weird. I, I think I might. I think I could get behind this. I like this idea. Has any <laughs> has any other movie ward do you know of? made a movie and then a sequel to itself that starred the actors as characters. I've never heard of this. I need to watch this movie. <laughs> but I think this is kind of, I think that's kind of where Scream came from because he was kind of playing around with this meta idea, you know, and then pro- and then kind of had this idea of, well, what about a horror movie where the characters are actually kind of aware that they're in a horror movie? Yeah. I, th- I think... You're right, but to me, the thing that I'm sticking on is that I've never seen. Okay, let's take a let's take a for instance here. It's like if you made okay if it's so night so Top Gun came out in 1986. If in 1996 they made Top Gun two where where it was Tom Cruise <laughs> and Val Kilmer who were the names of the characters and they were like hey we used to make we made this movie once about us flying jet fighters and now we have to you know go fly jet fighters <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense to me i'm crying i'm crying it's so funny oh my god uh, i think maybe I, we need to review freddy's new nightmare oh well um it's it just seems to me that like it is, a, it's meta. It's meta to the metaest level possible. <laughs> well, where are you going to gonna go n- once he's fought against Jason? Like, where are you going to take it from there? He kind of had well, to go big. 
No, it was it was this we're talking nine years before he frights Jason. So Oh. Uh well then it's, yeah. maybe I would have gone Freddy in space. Freddy <laughs> Freddy in space. Yeah. Gonna call it Freddy uh, X too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like this. I don't know if you guys caught this earlier, but I had to cut out one of Freddy's famous uh, from a, one of his famous lines here. We'll see, bitch. He's always saying "bitch." Apparently, in all the movies, he's like he's like Jesse from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I don't have much else to go on in this one. I I have to say, to sum it all up, this is a pretty bad movie. Ninety-four percent is extremely generous and. Um, it sort of built a little bit of a, you know, movie studio empire, but man, uh, this is so weird to me. I, I think Mike Meyer, Michael Myers is, is more terrifying than, than Jason and Jason is more terrifying than Freddy. That's my order of things. What do you guys think? Where, where do you put uh, Leatherface in that? So I've never seen Leatherface. I've never seen Hellraiser, Chainsaw Massacre. I've never seen those movies. I, I think if we're talking, and I, I, I want to get your guys' opinion. I think if we're talking, you know, icons of Halloween, whatever, uh, you know, cinematic universes or whatever uh, c- series of movies, I think you're talking Freddy, Michael, Jason. No, no one else comes close. Yeah, I would uh I would say Mike Myers uh not the one from Wayne's World is the scariest and then the rest of them are all kind of lumped all together for me. Okay. Byron, yeah, what do you think? They do kind of lump in together as far as distinctive characters uh it 100% is Michael Myers, maybe it because he has just got that that just maybe it's just because of how it's shot. Uh that would be an interesting thing to think about is if these movies were shot differently. Uh, would we appreciate these characters a little bit more? But uh, I would say it would have to be Mike Myers, and then it would be Jason. And, uh, yeah, Freddy Krueger doesn't really... uh, After watching this film and knowing so much about it and knowing how much it actually impacted other things around it, uh, it doesn't... He doesn't really do that much for me. So it's a... He goes to third. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you have to also, over time you know with the sequels he just got more and more ridiculous and more and more like commercialized and the point where he starts hosting his own show and you know yeah. it, they kind of right. if there he was anything scary kind of that cheesiness and uh, it doesn't work i it, i mean the my opinion, i don't think it works right i mean he even sings his on his own album uh <laughs> freddie and the something some i'm see if i can type this up freddie and the elm streeters or something like that it's just some Stupid garbage. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, album from the nineties. Yeah, I don't okay, really. Freddy's Jason Bur- Jason's album is so much better. Oh yeah, yeah, they don't. They they're they're not. You know, they don't have. Oh, here's here's a song real quick. Here, see if I can get it going here. Hold on. <laughs> this is from Fred- Freddy's greatest hits. It's Freddy himself singing a song called. Do the Freddy. Do the Freddy. Are you Freddy kidding me? Do the Freddy. <laughs> so, Do the Freddy. I mean, oh, come on. You cannot be scared of this guy. Uh, oh, okay. uh, Ward, you had a pretty good line there. I don't know if anybody heard it where it was uh, Jason's. Uh, you like Jason's album better? Yeah. Uh, yeah it, goes under, it goes under the category of unspoken word, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm more afraid of Count Chocula than I am of Freddy. 
Yeah. Okay. If we all die in our sleeps tonight, we're, we will be, we will we will not. <laughs> if we all have nightmares, we will meet at my house in one week to start uh, doing our dream warrior studying sessions. And you know what? Uh, you know how dream warriors study? I'm gonna give you guys a hint. Do they fall asleep? And you're gonna take this. You're gonna take this and run with it. The dream warriors they they practice by waxing on and waxing off, waxing on, <laughs> waxing off. <laughs> and I don't know if you have anything else to say, but I want to wrap that one up uh, and segue into what we might be doing next. With a reminder, of course, that this Saturday, Halloween night, 9 p.m. Central Time, we are going to start our Twitter watch party for this very movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street, where we will be uh, having a good conversation with our listeners about the entire uh, series of Freddy movies, including the remake. If you've seen it, that'd be awesome if you could tweet at us and uh, you know join the conversation and say, <clears throat> is it is it as bad as the, the Rotten Tomatoes makes it out to be how did jackie earl haley do as as the titular character did he replace robert england i don't know um maybe robert england died i'm not sure i think he's still going nope. to all the cons he was yeah, going to all the cons. Alive. i'm pretty sure yeah he is still with us yes so so ward we uh, actually tried to uh book him to come to the parkway oh well and he said he said this time I mean, bitch too much money <laughs> or did he say we'll see bitch <laughs> Uh, so what, if you didn't get Freddy, what do you have coming up at the theater, Ward? Uh, well, personally, I think I'm going to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 because I want to I find out if that is good or that I remember or if it's, uh, if it's like this one. Uh, <laughs> at the theater, we are rentals. It's all about rentals right now. So, you, you know, people don't have a lot to do, especially with it getting cold out. You know, you don't want to go to a... A crowded restaurant you can rent the parkway theater for you and a group of your friends and it really is not that more that much more expensive than it would be if you were to actually just you know go see a movie at your local multiplex but you get the whole theater to yourself you get the the bar to yourself so uh if you're interested in renting the parkway theater and having your own private viewing party uh, you can uh email us at info at theparkwaytheater.com Byron, what do you got going on? Uh, at the Fun V Podcast, we are still in our James Bond universe. Uh, we are still in Roger Moore, uh, being the longest-running James Bond uh, person to play James Bond. We just finished uh, For Your Eyes Only, and now we are moving on to Octopussy. And I said that with a straight face. I don't know how I pulled that off. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we have to go from this next. Maybe next we'll do uh, we'll do the, uh, the uh, Austin Powers trilogy. That would be fun too. I think so. Uh, but as always, if you'd like to reach out to the Parkway Podcast, you can email us at parkwaytheaterpodcast at gmail dot com, or give us a call at six one two two one seven two five two zero. Uh, and you leave a voicemail. We may play what you have to say on air. If you enjoyed this episode, and here's my segue. Coming up next, we'll be discussing the Karate Kid. And maybe he himself is a dream warrior. I don't know. Uh, and, of course, if you're watching, uh, Ward, what's that show called? Cobra Kai, right? Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. Yes, sir. If you're watching that, you are going to love to see what we have to say about the Karate Kid. It's been 30 years for me, I'm sure. 
For Ward and Byron, I'm Matt, signing off this episode of the Parkway Podcast.